Well, good morning. We're going to do a short little one because I'm realizing most people don't have the time nor the attention span to spend 20 minutes on a simple subject. So today I'm going to talk about, well, I've talked about this many times, um, mistakes or ego and translation, but just mistakes in translation. So let's talk about iddi or riddi or shiddi. Iddi, I-D-D-H-I, in Pali. Uh, it's R-D-D-H-I uh, or S-I-D-D-H-I. Iddi. In Pali, it means prosperity, potency, psychic power. Idipada is the basics, basis for psychic power. Idibala. Supernatural power. Idi mantu, possessing sexual power, sexual power, psychic powers. Idi visaya, extent of psychic powers. That's come to mean supernatural, supernormal. You can see it even in the definitions. If you look up psychic, you'll get relating to the psyche or psychogenic, lying outside the sphere of physical science or knowledge, immaterial. It goes on, right? But it also says, you know, person sensitive to non-physical forces. But of course, in the first definition, examples of psychic in a sentence, it says she claims to be a psychic. Now, let's go back to the definition of iddi. Prosperity, potency, psychic power, mental power, mind power. I mean, I've said this before, but... I, I make it a little simpler now. The consciousness is like our dreams at night, keeping us occupied, our mind occupied when we're not busy. Right? Like the matrix. Our consciousness is the matrix. So in this case, do we have to look at the supernatural powers of Buddhism to be a believer? I always thought, no. Here I go and look into this. I've spent a couple weeks on this. No matter what translation you look at, um, it doesn't specifically say psychic in the sense like I've discussed Shraddha before, faith. Not the Western idea of psychic powers or the Western idea of faith. Shraddha in the Shadda in Pali is the idea of faith and commitment and certainty in whatever prescription you're following. Right? And if we look at the definition again of Iddi, that commonly today is considered these superpowers of flying through the earth or walking through walls. When the translation really is prosperity, potency, psychic power, itipada, the basic for psychic power, but again, meditation itself is another mistranslated word when it's dhyana or samadhi. So is it concentration? Is it focus? Is it awareness like moksha? Or is it mind training like dhyana? Or is it wisdom like dhyana? It becomes difficult if you want to argue about the words rather than the meaning. Because if we look at the meaning, idi refers to prosperity, potency, psychic power. So, prosperity, becoming successful. Potency, being effective. And psychic power, psyche, right? First, it was a princess loved by Cupid. But from the Greek, it's the soul or the personality. As I said, Something missing in Buddhism could be considered the Atman. Is it impermanent? So 
what is it that ties us all together? You read the Gita, you'll, you'll hear that it's that little piece of Krishna, or Brahman nature, right? The Atman is that bound, that uh, um, connection we have to one another. But again, if Idi is psychic power, psychic, what did they mean when most of these translations were done a good hundred years ago before we have this predominance of psychics in the idea of they can see the future? Once again, if you look into our history, there's a difference between the modern idea of a psychic versus an oracle. But that's a different discussion, and it's one that I may have covered when I talked about the Yijing. But at hand is Idi. Is it psychic power, or is it mind training, or supranormal power, as I like to say? Because psyche, being the, the Greek word for soul or personality, right? Or, what I love, is psyche is also the totality of the elements forming the mind. So the aggregates that we put together to consider mind, that is psyche. So mind power, that's jhana. That's not like supra, super normal power. That's not walking through walls. That's not letting yourself suffer at the hands of this artificial construct that we call the mind, right? Uh, psychogenic as well, same idea. It's originating from the mind or in uh, mental or emotional conflict. I mean, the Four Noble Truths tell us that we are uh, at rest or our natural state is dysfunction, is dissatisfaction, is suffering, is discomfort. However you want to say it, dukkha is the word they use. Right? So I just wanted to share that, that once again... There is entire sects, there is entire groups, uh, entire gurus based on this one mistranslation of this one word. Siddhi, Iddi. Is it supernormal magical powers or is it simply being able to focus more than the average bear? That's my argument. It's supranormal powers, not, it's not um, Wiccan magic. Uh, you know, they're not levitating and, and bouncing off walls. And, and I discussed this with a friend, and he's like, well, I mean, how do you explain that as a metaphor? I simply explain it as, are you going to go and spend three pages trying to explain how someone understood dependent origination, and that was the proof of their enlightenment or their attainment or just, just their, their, their shraddha, their devotion? No, no. Uh, to garner... The, the views, like we do in social media today, they made up some stupid stuff. You're right. I mean, flying through walls and walking through earth. I see it as a metaphor for the lessons, the prescription itself, right? Because if you understand dependent origination, then you understand the metaphor that they're trying to get at where, you know, earth can be transformed. That's actually explained. I did the research on this. If you look at the supernatural powers in the canon, it tends, not tends, not all the time, but you'll get explanations that will explain what they're talking about. And they mention the walking through earth. It's because you're able to transform the, um, well, the earth into another element, transform the elements, as they say. So that's why they say. And I think it is, again, a metaphor. 
So when they say that an enlightened being can walk on water, it's not what they mean. What they mean is these artificial limitations that we apply to ourselves, like for example, water uh, doesn't hold up an individual, whereas earth does. So let's say they can walk through earth because normally you walk through water. They can walk on water because normally you walk, uh, you know, through it. Same as a wall, right? This is simply a metaphor for an uneducated people to understand that there is absolutely no possibility for someone to walk through a wall. Right? That's pretty common knowledge. But is it not also common knowledge that we are unable to overcome our own selfish basic instincts? Right? I mean, I don't know how many examples we'll see on a daily basis. I can't even remember a half dozen from yesterday. One I can remember, we were just watching um, an area in downtown London, England, of all places. And there was a statue, completely unrelated to anything that we're talking about. And the inscription on the statue said, There is no darkness uh, greater than ignorance. And this is what we're talking about here, right? The very beginning of the teachings is to end ignorance, right? We call it moha. Delusion, ignorance, um, depending on the English word you use, moha is the Pali word. It's ignorance. It's the beginning, right? The opposite of it is wisdom. This is why we talk about light and dark. So once again, I can give an example that when we talk about, say, Dizang or Kshiri Garba, uh, the Urastor Bodhisattva, as she's commonly called, a very powerful Bodhisattva in the canon. This is Mahayana, of course, but... I won't go into the canon here. Just because Mahayana is usually attributed with being even more uh, Kool-Aid drinkers, in a sense, when it comes to these you know, magical powers, right? Hamitabha, Kishirigarbha, Abilu, Kitesra. So Kishirigarbha, the story goes that she holds in her hand a burning pearl. A burning pearl is meant to represent um, uh, destruction of ignorance, Right? The, the fire is light, which is a synonym for wisdom, but fire can also burn out that ignorance. And It is explained that it's a metaphor. I mean, can you imagine how silly it is to, to think that, you know, she just walks around with a burning pearl? I mean, plain and simple, how do you get a pearl to burn? But again, here's this idea that once you become master of your own mind, master of, of all of this, the simple prescription that life is inherently suffering and we are the source of that suffering through our artificial self or mind that we uh, put together into formations and volitions, feelings, grasping, craving, right? Loha, loha, uh, well, aversion, attachment, and ignorance, the three poisons, leads us to more ignorance then. Right? If the entire teachings is to end ignorance and to increase our wisdom, what is going on when we have the majority of our gurus and teachers sharing wrong knowledge? A lot of them even know that it's wrong because here's two sides to this one story. You'll have teachers that will absolutely deny the existence of any of this. They won't teach it. They'll have different reasons. On the other side, you'll have teachers who will say, well, this is being hidden, so we must teach it. But there's nobody in the middle going, well, 
you know, you do understand how this works. A pearl doesn't burn. The idea is we're encouraging ourselves to become greater than we can ever imagine we can be. So the idea that a pearl burning is beyond our understanding. This is that Shraddha again. It's not a blind faith. It's a faith in the prescription. The prescription here is understanding that we are our own enemies. And without that clear understanding that we're ignorant, therefore we have to strive for wisdom, without that clear understanding, then we're never going to get there. So if we continue to refuse to understand that one word alone, as example, iddi, is not as we all consider it. In fact, do you not even see how ridiculous it is that I would argue the main flaw of Buddhism is the difference between um, the Bhagavad Gita and the teachings in Buddhism. The Bhagavad Gita is near identical, save for the permanence of anatta. Uh, the self, as we commonly translate it, is not the same, but it solves the problem in Buddhism, the one of um, the lack of faith, or shraddha. So we're asked, again, it makes sense if we're asked to just blindly believe why some would believe in supernatural powers, but we're asked to blindly believe that one, we have this conscious, we are an individual, and I mean, my individual consciousness brought me to the temple. Yet, I'll be told that none of that exists. It's not real. It's just a manifestation of your mind. Well, that's fine and dandy until you have to put, well, until the rubber meets the road, right? This is why so many will just sit and not think. Because when you start to think about these things, you go, well, wait a minute. There is a me here. I mean, it's me that's sitting here. So I argue the missing piece. You don't have to think that you are special, right? You don't have to think the uh, Atman is, is one individual. You can steal from the Bhagavad Gita and apply it to your own practice and understand the idea is not that there's a permanent Atman. The idea is we all share. Uh, if you want to be scientific, we all share energy. So anything that we do, action, comma, results in consequences, right? Cause and effect. And since we all swim in one pool, anything that we do reverberates throughout the entire system. So, that's why it's important that we truly discuss what is meant. Meaning over message. Right? You gotta be looking for the meaning. Because, I mean, same as any other language, English has multiple ways of saying something, but we need to understand the meaning first. Right? So, most important in this, uh, we can have an argument with people, is it supernatural powers or isn't it? Do you believe in it or don't? Do you need to believe in it or don't? But are we ever going to have a discussion, did we misinterpret the word at the very core of the teachings? <laughs>